0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Rodney with you. Um, Just so thankful this morning. Excited. We've got one more week to go and we'll be together live 8th and Pearl Street. Can't wait to be there. Um, Yeah, so please come join us and be with us this next week. This morning, uh, the title of my sermon is God Wins, Ultimately That God Wins. I want to start off by sharing the story, but before that, can I pray for us? Would you allow me a few minutes just to, to close your eyes and just really just ask God to be with us this morning. Father, I ask, Lord, that you'd be here right now in that living room, in that car, where every someone is at, where I'm at right now, that you would speak to me, that you would lead me, that you would take every word and use it for your glory, for your good. You take a broken man that is that has uh, up and down in his emotions, and who knows where he's coming and going sometimes, but yet you are the one that allows me to step out on waters that are calm because you're there. Father, would you calm our heart? Could you calm our mind today? Would you also to connect with you and to be with you? In this moment in this time in Jesus name Amen God wins I'll start off by sharing a story when I was about 21 years old I had moved from one workplace one business to another and I became an assistant manager of this department now the main manager was there training me for about a month's time he taught me everything that needed to happen for that place to run he ended up getting a promotion actually was moved out of that department went to another one he was still my supervisor but He was no longer needed uh, or was no longer available to be helpful in this department. He was running a whole other one by himself. So I kept the department going as an assistant, um, went about a whole year's time. I asked for a raise because I had been running the department for a whole year as an assistant. And I had noticed that I would get paid less than some of my, um, coworkers would. And, um, even though I was their supervisor. And when I went to ask for that raise, the, he denied my raise and, and it was no real reason. It was very vague. And, um, what's crazy is that department before I started there had lost 80,000 the year before I worked there. And then the next year it made 80,000 as I worked there, that was a $160,000 swing. So performance wise, it was there. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, it was a big joke because they used to have this desk in the back and they had 14 notches on the desk and I remember us cleaning the back area and I asked what are these notches for and they were laughing the guys that had been there for a long time there's only like three that had really been there a long time they said that's for the number of managers that are in your position that have been there in seven years 14 managers in seven years they were taking bets to see how long I would last and that went on to be a an 18-year career but I just wanted to say that you know there are times where you go to someone like a supervisor, maybe a coach, a teacher, maybe, uh, maybe it's a judge and, um, maybe it's a nonprofit organization and they have an authority or a right to decide something in your life that affects your life and your livelihood. And, um, there's not much you can do about it. Right. And the question is, where is God in all that? Right. What, what does really happen? Maybe it's a surgery that you're going to go through and you're dependent on the doctor. Maybe it's a technician that's going to come and work on your air conditioning and you don't want to recommend all kinds of parts where you're going to lose all kinds of money. Maybe just the one part that they may need in your life is in someone else's hands for the moment. Have you ever been in that situation? Today, I want to talk about this. With the coming of the election, it feels like the party that wins will definitely have an effect on our lives. I think that's in the air. I think that is definitely something that's an honest statement. That whatever party wins, it's gonna affect our lives. And depending on what information you have, your experiences, your upbringing, um, who you listen to, where you're at as a person, uh, you can have very strong feelings about who's gonna be elected and who won't, right? really really strong feelings. We see that over and over. Now depending um again on your life experience, it's going to it's going to it's going to affect you in one way or another. Now, I hope today we will be able to see something in God's word to us that will comfort us and encourage us in times like these. In sort of like my story that I started off with where it will affect us and it can affect us, right? Now, I want to point us to a time, and this time is the time of Joseph. Joseph was uh, a young man that had a dream real quick to, to get us uh, up to par, if you've never heard of this story. And he had this dream. He shared it with his family, shared it with his brothers. And they basically uh, uh, shipped him off and were actually going to kill him. And then all of a sudden, he got taken by some um, slave traders, and they picked him up. And then he ended up becoming property, someone's personal property. He ends up in Egypt and he ends up in Parfor's house and he goes through a lot of suffering, a lot of ups and downs. And um, where we're going to pick up the story is in Genesis chapter 41, verses 40 to 41. Real short couple verses. Um, and what we find here is after Joseph goes through all this suffering, he's displaced, he has not seen his family for a long time, he rises. To basically second in command, right next to the king. And this is what it says here, or what it says here 41 verses 40 to 41. You will be in charge of my court. This is the king. This is Pharaoh telling him, and all my people, and will take orders. All my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. So could you imagine that from going from a jail cell, because he was in the jail cell at one point, all the way to second command, the only thing that he can't, the only person he can't tell what to do is the king, but everyone else he can. What the king saw in him was wisdom, and he saw that God was with him, and God was actually using this king to see this wisdom that Joseph had and all that Joseph had went through to get to this point so he could actually help save The land and Israel—I'm not the land, but Israel and the people in the land, Egypt—from a famine that was coming. God used dreams that that Pharaoh had, and Joseph interpreted those dreams. Now, I just jumped in the middle of the history of the life of Joseph, and right now it sounds really good, right? Especially here in America, you know, he's hearing this part where he's at the top. You know, he's the superhero. He's wise. He gets all the cash, he gets all the power, and obviously he gets the girl. I mean, that just sounds like a perfect, you know, story that we would say, yeah, I'm in. Like, if God is going to do that, I want to do that. I don't care what I need to go through, right? But what we do not see at this point is all the suffering that he had to go through and that God allowed. Like the time they got thrown into the pit where his brothers were about to kill him and left them there for dead and some random stranger picks him up. And all of a sudden he's personal property. Or the other time he's doing what he's supposed to. Potiphar's wife throws himself at her, I mean, throws herself at him, he gets accused, she falsely accuses him, you know, and um he gets thrown in jail for doing nothing wrong. I mean, it's just tragedy after tragedy for Joseph. And that's a part that's really hard for us to accept: is where is God in all this, right? So We find that it's easy to accept when it's easy. Now, I'll just share this first one, but I remember uh, for myself, there are times that I've gone through some very difficult situations, and I wonder, like, why do those things happen? You know, what what was the good that was going to come out of them? Um, Things that, you know, where my kids were hurt, or where I lost a job, or where my own closest friends hurt me and yet they never ever fessed up to it or they just you know disappeared and no longer wanted to uh, connect and build relationship and when you needed them the most and that happens in life right those are things that sometimes they'll never know why did you go through that suffering but I do see a pattern where God does work a lot of things out and we're able to see by his grace some of the reasons why He allows these sufferings, these hard things. Now, how does this tie together when it comes to this election? We'll find out. Finding out, first of all, that this king had an effect on people by choosing Joseph. Now, there's three truths that I think uh, that I want you to keep uh, in mind, especially when bad things happen. Um, And it's hard because we believe that it's not under God's perfect will, but it is under God's perfect will. And i hope these things uh these three truths that i've said before will comfort you first of all that god in his wisdom always knows what's best for us god in his wisdom always knows what's best he knows he knows he knows he knows what's best for you he knows what's best for me if there's someone that knows what's going on that can see the end and the beginning that's why he's the alpha and he's the omega because he is the beginning and the end, the one that has had a plan for your life before the foundation of the world. In other words, before you came out of your mother's womb, God had already had a plan for your life and he knows how it's going to go. As a matter of fact, he says that he laid out good works before the foundation for you to walk in them. He knows how he's going to work it out all good and for you to walk in obedience to him because he's laid that out for you to do that and give you the power to do so. The second truth is that God in his love always wills what's best for us. God in his love always wills us. what's best for us. He only has perfect love. He has no love that's tainted. It's unconditional, right? It's for our good and it's um, pure and it's holy. It's always for what is right. So in that he wills only what's best. He never wills what's second best. He never wills uh, what's third best. No, he only wills what's best for us no matter what. And then. He's the only one because he is all powerful, God in his sovereignty, which means he's basically all in control and all powerful, has all the power to bring it about. He's the only one that can bring water to fall from heaven to the earth. He's the only one that can suspend the earth in space and all the other planets within millions and billions of stars and galaxy after galaxy. He's the only one. He is all powerful, right? Now, fast forward. To this next king, Exodus chapter 1. We're going to pick up the story here. Fast forward, Exodus 1, verse 5. In all, Jacob and 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. So here we find that Joseph's generation is past. Eventually a new king, verse 8, new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. So, man, too bad. Him, Joseph, and the first king, Pharaoh, were close, had a good relationship, and now this new king has no connection. Guess what the new king uh, that is in power now hence the election, right? Comes in and he said to his people, look, the people of Israel are now outnumbering us, are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities in Pitnum and uh, Ramesses and supply centers for, as supply centers for the king. So here we find that all of a sudden God's people went from being okay, being in harmony, right, living a great life with a great king and Joseph being in second in charge, to now Falling under this new king that's going to bring nothing but harm and, and work and, and enslavement. So we see this happening. And it goes to the point that, that Pharaoh wants to start killing the, the firstborn. Um, that's where Moses is risen up. And God starts to hear the cries of his people. So now we have the second king. We have a second king and something happens as a result of this second king. So again, God's people start to, to, to um, suffer. Now, think right here. This is maybe one of the main driving forces behind people today when it comes to this election. And they're driving force for them to be so adamant about who should be elected, right? What party, what person. Um, some way, somehow, we're really afraid that someone in office or someone's. will will do harm and not good. There's a fear there, we're afraid of something because of what information we have, what we believe, what we think, all this stuff, right? And it's very, and it may be real, it may be possible that harm could come from whoever's in office. Now I want you to know that you're not alone in this, that it's normal to feel this way. And because as you see in scripture, God gives us a real life examples of how when different kings take position, it can affect people in a negative way. God doesn't hold back. He does not hold back reality. That's what I love about the Bible. He does not hold back at all. Now, they may use their power and position again for evil and not good. But let's look at some more scripture. And I want to want you to see that even those who are causing harm, God is still in control and can do anything he wills with them. Exodus 3, 21 to 22. What do we find here? We find God telling Moses, look, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to deal with God. I'm going to deal with the Egyptians. I'm going to deal with Pharaoh and get ready to leave. But before you leave, you guys don't got nothing because you're slaves. You've had nothing for a long time. They don't even have proper clothing. So he says, I want you to tell our people to go and ask the Egyptians that they're living with that are their slave masters for their things, their clothing, their jewelry, their clothes, things they're going to need to be able to exit and leave and guess what happens Exodus 31 321 to 22 says and I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you how in the world did God do that they will give you gifts and when you go so you will not leave empty-handed every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver gold and fine clothing for her Egyptian neighbors from her Egyptian neighbors again the ladies got a shop right anyways um and the foreign women in the ho- in their houses you will dress your sons and daughters with these with these stripping the egyptians of their wealth and that's exactly what happened well the key thing here he says he will cause right i will cause the egyptians to look favorably on you so this wasn't something that god uh that the egyptians did out of force like like they didn't do it against their will with they willingly gave these items to the israelites had did god do that we don't know that's a mystery how he works even sometimes our enemies to do good, those that are opposing, those that are oppressing. And that's what I want us to have our comfort and our trust in is that it doesn't matter who's elected and what happens when it comes to this. If they have an evil plan, if they have a plan to hurt and to do harm, God can even use that plan and turn around and end up being the opposite and use it for good. Or God could allow for the harm to come. Because that does happen, as we've seen, there was enslavement here, there was mistreatment here, so that's exactly what what happened. God shows up, and they willingly gave their stuff, not reluctantly. So even though when someone is in position of power or influence, if it's a coach, a teacher, a supervisor, or whoever whoever ends up being president, has a plan to cause harm, where we do not want to divide. We do not want to fret, and we do not want to. Uh, try to control it or make things happen or take matters into our own hands, right? We want to pray to our God that it's ultimately in control. This is hard. This is hard for us as Americans because we're used to fixing things, right? We have so much power at the tip of our fingers. We just open our phones, we hit a couple buttons, and food shows up at our door. Right? If we need some supplies or things, a couple buttons, things show up at our door. Amazon, right? Um, I mean, there's just so much that we're used to you know, sculpting and being in control of. And it's hard for us to say, wait a minute, how am I supposed to give this to God? How am I supposed to trust God? Well, if God always wins. I want you to know that God won here and he's always gonna win. Now one last passage I wanna look at and I wanna I want to try to bring this to a close. This is the passage where he's talking to, uh, Jesus is talking to Pilate. Jesus our savior has already been whipped. He already has a, a, a crown of thorns and he's there before Pilate. And I think this is in John 12 or John 17, um, it's verses 10 and 11. It says, why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? So here's Pilate speaking to Jesus. He says, hey man, why aren't you talking? Jesus is staying quiet, right? He says, don't you realize that I have the right to take your life? I have a right to determine your fate. And Jesus said to him, you would have no power over me at, all unless it were given to you from above so then so the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin you know pontius just wanted to wipe his hands and be off of this and and jesus knew that but he also wanted to set jesus straight i mean set uh pilate straight and i think it was also to share with us that even in this plan that is horrible to kill our savior god the father was still in control and if he had the ability to do harm, it was not apart from God knowing and God allowing. And that brings comfort. I'll show you uh, how that brings comfort in just a minute. I want to point to it. I hope that we can see this. See, God allowed for his son to experience the worst. God's wrath. That was He experienced for him to be tortured, for him to be nailed to a cross, for God's wrath to be poured on him, um, for God turning from him. And from him becoming our own sin. No filter. No pain meds. No anesthesia. No counseling. No support. Just two thieves. One on the left. One on the right. And Jesus in the middle. Suffering for the sins of the world. For my sins and your sins. This is again not apart from God's plan. This is a way of comfort and ultimate trust. This is the way that God brings comfort and ultimate trust for us. And how does it how does it happen? God knew what he was doing. Well, he asked Pastor Rodney, what do you mean this brings comfort? How can this bring comfort? You know, where in the world uh, was this all-loving, all-powerful, and all-wise God? Where was he in this moment? Because it was God the Father's plan before the foundation of the earth that he would allow his son to be slain for our sins. Because he's all-known, he knew we'd sin. He knew this day would come for him, and he had already planned it, and he was not reluctantly but willingly to do this. There was not one drop of blood, not one spit that came out of a soldier's mouth that hit Jesus in the face, nor was any lash with a whip unnoticed. All of them were accounted for, all of them the Father knew, and none of it was outside the will of God. So you you ask again, how is this comforting? How does this build trust? Because if it was something that was made up by a human, by a person saying, hey, this God and this Jesus and this, if this was made up, we would never, ever make it up. We would never make up that a God that made all of heaven and all of earth, when we just look at the heavens and the earth, like, man, who could make something like that? Would get his precious and his only son to die like this? Who would do that? No. If it was us, if we'd make it up, it'd be about some person that's a superhero. Everyone else bowed down to him. And if anyone messed with his kid, they'd get it. You know, he protected them, all that stuff. Right. But our God willingly gives for what? Cause he has a plan is a plan that we would get. His son would get his worst so we could get his best. Right. We get Jesus. We get God. We get a relationship with the Father. We get we get total acceptance and forgiveness of sins, where we don't have to go to a cross for our sins, where we don't have to suffer what He suffered. But not just that. This is comforting because it was the worst of all experiences that anyone could ever have. We don't. None, none of our experiences. None of our suffering will ever come close to what he went through. No one can ever understand what it is to become sin and all the world's sin. No one can ever understand what the full wrath of God, his full anger is, as powerful is, and you take a, a lightning strike or a thunder, and that's pale in comparison to God's anger. You take the bright, hot sun that we can't even look at with our naked eyes, lest we become blind. And you think about God's anger and how powerful that could be. None of us have ever had what it is to have a holy, righteous God, full anger on us. Nothing will ever come close to that. And it all brought our salvation, the salvation of my soul and all those in your soul, all those that God wills to come to him. What does that mean? then that means that every other suffering that we will go through, if that is not apart from the plan of God, what's comforting is, is that every other suffering that we will go through, no matter who's in charge, who's president, you know, who's over our lives, what others uh, have say so, that God gives them that right. If it does hurt us, he allows it. It's in his perfect plan for our good, ultimate good. And if, this was, that means every other suffering is also in God's perfect plan. And it's not without him noticing and not without God winning. And how does God win? Well, God wins this way. Jesus just didn't stay on the, on the cross, right? They took him off the cross. And on the third day, he rose again. He defeated our enemy, which was death. There's nothing more powerful on this earth than death. What does that mean? That means that if you belong to Christ, if you have faith in Christ, if you have repented, that means turn from your sins and turn towards Christ. That means that you have eternal life. And therefore, you will never taste death. What is this death? This death is a separation from God forever. You will know what that is. If you were to close to your eyes to this life, you would only open them up to life with Christ. You'll never know what that separation, that darkness. You'll never know what the what hell is like, and the torture, and the pain, and and the emptiness that's there, the loneliness that's there. You'll never know what that's like. You'll never pay for your sins, right? And so, therefore that's God's perfect plan. See, all the sufferings that you go through, there's a purpose. Now, sometimes we're able to see them. I'm reminded of the times that my dad would drive us 100 miles an hour in the the vehicle and he'd be drinking. And um, it came to this this, uh, point where, you know, it was too much for the family. And all of a sudden, you know, my mom took us, we started living with my grandmother, and my dad comes over and my mom said, look, if you don't get help, then we're going to separate. And we're actually going to separate until you get help. And I remember my dad turning towards me and he says, son, who are you going to go with? And I, I was a daddy's boy. Like I never told my dad anything he did wrong ever. Never told my dad. I looked up to him. I loved him. I love him to this day. He's the biggest influence in my life. He affected me the most. And i remember turning to him and i was i don't know maybe 12 13 years old and i said dad i can't do this i can't be waiting up at night wondering whether you're going to be alive or not if that's what's going to be I, i can't go with you and i remember seeing my dad break down and says i'm going to get help." and i saw my dad go get help i remember we went to go talk to a counselor and a family counselor and she had us share with my dad what it felt like and for the first time that second time i actually Shared actually the first time I ever shared what it made me feel like when my dad would do those things, and from that point on, we've learned to have family meetings and talk through things, and it's been a blessing. So, I'm able to see that yes, this horrific, hard time that has affected my life in a negative way has also brought God's perfect plan to allow me to now have conversations with my kids and have family meetings and discuss things and deal with things. Matter of fact, the counselor became a hero, you know, I do counseling. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you got to talk things out. If you don't talk things out, you're going to take it out. I learned that, right? Because God allowed me to see that at a very young age with my own father. So sometimes we're able to see, and not just sometimes, but most of the time we can look back and see God's provision. I remember losing my job, getting fired, right? And then basically just living by faith. What is God going to do? All of a sudden, this lady would drive down the road. She saw my truck there at my mom and dad's. I was working on a welding project, some side work, because I had no job. She says, Hey, do you know anybody that wants to make some money and do X, Y, and Z for me? And I was like, That's me. I'm right here. I'm actually looking for work. I go follow her. I make a quick hundred bucks. That hundred bucks is what's going to get us through to, you know, whatever groceries or food or gas. I mean, going through that showed me that God provided. And I remember just writing down every uh, dollar that was coming in and then all the bills that were coming in and God just providing. I've seen him work through people in the church where they just came up to me and just said, hey, God told me to give this to you and just bless me. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that he provided. So even in our sufferings, even our hard times, God has a plan. Sometimes he shows up, but there are times that you'll never know what the reason is why did you have to go through that why did that happen to you you may never know until heaven comes but we can we can be assured of this just as as sure as jesus rose from the dead just as he's written our names in the lamb's book of life also there's a purpose and a plan because god always wins and these are the three truths i want us to think about as we walk through this life as we continue to go down this road towards election day and thereafter, because I'm sure it's going to get drugged out. And I wouldn't even focus on that if I were you. I'd focus on Christ. Because all of this, again, is another way to be distracting and take us away from what God's doing here with us as the Ville Church. He's doing amazing things. Number one, God in his wisdom always knows what is best for us. That builds trust that if you're in a crisis right now, if you're going through hard times right now, if you're not feeling well right now, God knows what's best for you. He has you. Number two, that in his love, he always wills what's best for you. He always wills what's best for you. And number three, God in his sovereignty has all the power to bring about what's best. He has all the power and he will. I hope that encourages you, I hope that helps you. Again, let's not get distracted and let's focus that no matter who's king and what plan they have, God can turn that around in a heartbeat. He laughs at the plans of the kings, the Bible says, because he is the ultimate king, right? He is our ultimate king, that he is ultimately in charge and he knows what's best. And if that brings us suffering, that brings us trials, that brings us hard times, Sometimes that helps us to let go of those things that we've been holding on to. I mean, COVID did that for a lot of us. We held on to a lot of things. And now we're realizing we're not that big and we're not that powerful, that there are things bigger than us and more powerful than us. But that's okay, because that allows us to sit back, relax, and float in the mercy of God. Because really, we live every day because God allows us to breathe, because God allows us to, to walk, to talk, to do whatever it is that we do, right? He provides the air that we breathe. And that's a good because he's a good God and he wants that for us. Ultimately, God always wins. It doesn't matter what comes your way, whether it's trial and struggles or sickness or hurts or pains, all the things that we go through, ultimately, even if it was death, because Jesus said, if you're gonna live your life for me, you may lose your life or you must give up your life because literally sometimes you give up your life. If we look at the apostles and how they ended, They all were murdered for Jesus, other than John. But even John was attempted. They attempted to murder him by boiling him. Then they put him in an island by himself. That's where he wrote the book of Revelation. So what does that leave us at? That leaves us as continuing to let go, keep our hands open, and say, God, I trust you. Because you win. Because you always will what's best for us in our lives. I hope this encourages you. I hope this helps you. If you've never believed in Jesus, if you've never followed him, would you turn from your sin? Would you say, you know what? I want to follow God because I want someone who loves me and always wills what's best for me. I want someone that has the power to bring it about. And I want someone that knows what's best for me. I want that for me in my life. I've been following all these other things. I've been following all the, I've been putting my confidence and my trust in all these other things and they've left me, hung, hung me out to dry. They're not there for me. I want someone that will be there for me. Christ will be there for you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never turn right anyone that seeks for him. If you seek after God today, he surely will receive you. And that's his grace. He doesn't do it because you have, because you earn his love. You know, you don't turn from sin because you want to be a better person. You turn from sin because you want to be alive. You want a relationship. You want to enjoy him sin only takes away from our enjoyment of god so would you follow jesus church i love you god bless you i'm so proud of you so happy to be uh you know your pastor and to to help encourage you and to bring you the word today it's humbling to me i ask that you continue to pray for me pray for jay the the whole church as we start to gather and we see what god is bringing together we want to see the gospel hit our area, Eighth and Pearl Street, um, Brentwood—you know where we're we're growing in and we're 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 building relationships. We're we're going for prayer walks. We're we're starting to see people on the streets, and we just really, really want the gospel to to take over in that place and to bless all our our places of influence, where we work, where we go to school, where we hang out, where we exercise, our families, our friends. Because again, all this other stuff is a distraction. Don't be dis- don't allow it to distract you, but to keep you focused on who is in control, who's all powerful, and who has what's best for us. That's our God. That's our Jesus. God bless you, church. Hopefully this encourages you. See you soon. Pastor Rob.